Well, this is a word that God has been working in my heart for a, uh, for a long time now, for months, and I actually ask your prayers as I minister this, that I'll minister it in a way that, that, uh, that God would be pleased with, in a way that people can, can hear and understand. I want to start by looking in Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read the first six verses. It says in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority. I like that. He gave them power and authority. You go out to the street right now, and if you want to pile up a mess, park cars, you could have the power to block traffic from making it down the street, but you're going to get in trouble because you don't have the authority to do that. On the other hand, law enforcement has both the uh, power to do it, and they have the authority. I think that's great that Jesus gives us the power, ability to do what we need to do, and he gives us the authority. In this case, going back to the text, power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said to them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra, sh no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, I repeat, if people do not welcome you, leave their town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. I'm going to say that again. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. If you want to read a parallel passage in the Gospel of Matthew, you could look sometime at Matthew chapter 10, and Matthew gives us even more information. He says Jesus gave them all kinds of warnings, like this. He says, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. That's scary <laughs> to be out there as, as, as a sheep among wolves. He, therefore, he encourages us. I love this. He says, be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Listen, you don't have to be an idiot to be a Christian. You don't have to go out there and say, well, we love everybody. No, there are times you need to be a little bit shrewd, a little bit in a good way, sneaky, and yet be innocent. Not This is not a criminal enterprise. It is a godly kingdom enterprise. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says things. He says, now, when you're going out, be on your guard. He says, because you're going to get reported by people. You're going to be handed over uh, to the authorities. You're going to be imprisoned and flogged, and, and, and you're going to be persecuted. A little bit in today's culture, we need to look at what, what's going on. Let me give you three examples uh, of, these are just examples I found in the last couple of days of how Christians sometimes are facing difficulties in today's world. Uh, actor Kirk Cameron, who has, since his TV stardom of, of years gone by, become an evangelical Christian. He's been outspoken. Uh, he has a new children's book out from a Christian family perspective called As You Grow. And uh, he and, and his people contacted 50 public libraries that had invited and allowed drag queens to come in and for children, for drag queens to do children's reading hour. And, and he offered to come in and, and to do a, a Christian. All 50 of them have either 
ignored or many explicitly rejected his request to read a Christian book to kids who were allowed to have books read to them um, by drag queens. And the reasons given is that, of course, well, what you stand for is not a safe place for people. It is not inclusive. It does not represent the values of our community. A number, a, a second, example number two. Uh, there's a restaurant in, in uh, Richmond, Virginia called the Mesker Bar and, and Butchery, which had uh, rented out a private room for a holiday, I think a holiday gathering for a, a, a Christian group, the Family Foundation of Virginia. However, when certain people found out that the Family Foundation of Virginia uh, was what, what was Christian, they got canceled. They said, no, no, we're not going to have you. Why? They said, because we don't want a group to come in here that seeks to deprive women and the LGBTQ plus community of their basic human rights. And since some of our staff happen to also be part of these communities, it made them feel uncomfortable um, serving you. So they put, in, in other words, since you're Christians uh, and you have certain political viewpoints that we don't agree with, you know, you, you can't be here. So you go out, and by the way, they have a lawsuit against them right now. We'll see what happens. Uh, another one, I'll give you one more. And these are just within the last couple of days and stuff like this is happening all around the nation right now in the very nation that we live in as we are sent out as sheep among wolves. This took place in uh, uh, just outside Boston in a place called Dedlam, Massachusetts, where the uh, Human Rights Commission was was apparently going to cancel Christmas trees because Christmas trees are offensive uh, to some people. <laughs> Actually, I know some Christians who think Christmas trees are pagan. You shouldn't have them anyway. But this opposition to Christmas trees came from the other one. Uh, a gal named Diane Loud, who is the uh, uh, local head librarian uh, of that community, and she's a key member of the Human Rights Commission, she lost her job because she went on a Facebook rant because one of the gals there had complained. She says, says I've lived here my whole life and Christmas trees have never been a, been a problem with anybody of, of any persuasion. And so I hope I don't, because the, the uh, extreme cussing here, uh, what should I give you a slight warning? I'm not gonna cuss, but even though it's, it's, bleed, it's bleeped out. So on Facebook, Diane Loud called the critics who said, why, why can't we have Christmas trees? They said, they called her selfish blank blank profanity that accused people like this of endangering lives by even raising the issue of wanting to have Christmas trees. For a tree, and I quote now, for a tree, you blankety blank, something to do with people's mother, uh, you have put people's lives in danger by wanting a Christmas tree. A lot of danger, she wrote. Uh, addressing others because she thought, well, this isn't just this gal. There's other Christians behind this. Um, she goes, uh, I hope the fact that you who claim to believe in Christ and Christmas or whatever happy horses you're trying to hide behind, you Christians are the least gracious, most hateful, most disgusting trash in the world. And then very sarcastically, she says, is this what you think your magic sky daddy wants? Where in the Bible is, is this again, she wrote. And in closing, she goes, in closing, I would like to add a big 
blank you, <laughs> you pieces of trash. I hate each and every one of you, and I do wish great suffering on you. There's a happy Christmas. You are terrible, terrible people, and you did it all because you didn't get your way. You are despicable. Uh, the same gal had very enthusiastically been part of an LGBT uh, pride parade earlier in the same town. Uh, she has, has, has a grown child who's discovered at age 13 he's, he's transgender. And they even mentioned there the group that came out. They never really apologized. They said, well, we're, we're going to, I think she's, she's since been removed and we thank you for your service. Really? <laughs> for, you know, for for that kind of service. And in fact, they've also now talked not simply about white privilege, but listen to this, Christian privilege. That some things are wrong just because it's Christian privilege. Sheep among wolves. Listen, in today's America, not, you don't have to go around the world for this, in today's America, Jesus and his followers are sometimes not only not popular anymore, it's not that we're not popular, we are increasingly being despised. Uh, culture is no longer simply neutral or apathetic, but it's becoming aggressively hostile to people of faith. This is true in our educational systems, it's true economically, and it is true culturally. Uh, history, your kids, when they're going to school now, uh, they're reading a rewritten history that makes us sound like uh, Christians uh, and Christianity is the problem. Uh, they're being told a very biased point of history that makes things look bad. It's almost kind of like nowadays they go, you're the problem. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are shouted. Love is love, except for Christians. Tolerance, except for Christians. Diversity, except for Christians. Let's celebrate everybody's heritage, except for Christians. You don't believe me? Try getting a Merry Christmas nowadays, just a Merry Christmas. Uh, and yet, during June, the same groups that warn against being overly aggressive with Christianity at Christmas time, <laughs> being you know, overly aggressive with Christianity and Jesus at Christmas time, the same companies, the same businesses, the same stores, the same city halls are under major, major pressure, and all of them celebrate Pride Month. Uh, I'm not saying one's right. I'm just saying, uh, Chris. Uh, see, we're called haters in many We're called haters. But in many respects, Christians themselves are the ones being hated. Let me say that again. Very often, we're being called the haters, and often we're the ones being hated. Now, that's not true if you're a Christian who is totally in sync with the culture. In other words, you believe everything they say, and pretty much you just add Jesus as a peripheral, then you might be, you might be tolerated probably won't be celebrated, but you'll at least be tolerated. I've called today's message the hated, because is being hated always bad? Let me read you a few verses. Jesus, first of all, Jesus warned us that as believers, things wouldn't always, at all times, at all places, be hunky-dory. <laughs> it's, it's not all like, what is it, tiptoeing through the tulips. He says in Matthew, Jesus did. In fact, this is when he gave Matthew's parallel passage of the Luke passage that I read to you earlier. He said to his followers, you will be hated by everyone because of me. Just because of Jesus. Because you love me, because you love Jesus. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. 
I know people leaving California right now, not just because of the high taxes, because of you know all this going on, but because of some of the pressure that they're feeling at, at trying to raise people just in the very simple Christian faith. And John, Jesus says this, this is my command, love each other. Old Bible, the old King James there says, love one another, the essence of the Christian uh, virtue. The highest thing is love. Jesus, this is my command, love each other. The very next thing he says is, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If they persecute me, they'll, they'll persecute you also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Paul would later note this in Corinthians. He said, to this very hour, we, grow, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. Think, brutally treated. We're homeless. We work hard. So they're not homeless. They don't want to work. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. Man, that's hard to do. <laughs> Sometimes when I read stories like this, and this is just the tip of the tiny, tiny tip of the, of, of, of the iceberg. When we're cursed, we bless. God, help me with that. Help me with that, Jesus. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Oh, man. Pray for pastor, would you? When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of this world, right up to this moment. I won't even take time to read to you that passage where Ahab and Jezebel kept coming up to Elijah, who was the prophet, and they kept saying, oh, it's you, you troubler of Israel. <laughs> You're the problem. You're the one giving us trouble. Why so hated? Well, I'm not saying that Christians don't deserve a lot of it. Like, like any group of people, any group of people, a lot of terrible things have been done at times by Christians, and some things have been done by people who call themselves Christians, who I don't think really are Christians. Uh, sometimes, it's because, sometimes it's because of who we're perceived to be. Uh, people don't really know us. They don't know what we believe. People, they, they assume certain things about us. But I also want to point out, and I want you to listen to this, sometimes we can be hated because of blessings. Um, whom and what God blesses, the world often curses. Let me say that again. Whom and what God blesses, the world often curses. Why did Cain kill Abel? Because Abel had offered a righteous sacrifice and, 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 and was a righteous person. Cain hated him because of that. Why did Esau hate Jacob? Because of the blessing. That's why he hated him, because of the blessing. Why does Saul hate David? David did nothing other than serve Saul, help Saul, protect Saul. Why does Saul hate David? Because of David's favor and anointing. Think, think of these words, favor, anointing, blessing, hated because of that. Why did Ahab and Jezebel hate the prophets like Micaiah and, and Elijah? Because they were speaking forth prophecies and because they were viewed as being troublers. It hurts, but, is it, but it hurts, but is it always bad? The Bible says in the book of Acts about Peter and John, it says, listen to this, this is Acts chapter five, the apostles left the Sanhedrin, 
rejoicing because they just got flogged. <laughs> they got beat up for talking about Jesus. Thankfully, through Gamaliel's advice, they had released them, but they still got whipped before they got to leave. It says they left rejoicing. Why? Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Oh, I like the way the Bible words that. Suffering disgrace for the name. Jesus. Day after day, here's encouraging, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching. Who did that song years ago? Was it Tom Petty? I won't back down. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Peter says this about tough times. Peter says in his epistle, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. <laughs> he says, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal. So don't suffer because of all the crime you're doing or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. It, it, it's tough when sometimes you get accused of being a hater and actually you go, we're the ones being hated. Because for one thing, we really, really, we really, really fear rejection. Rejection's always hard. You know, man, I asked her and she said no. Mm, takes a while to get over that, doesn't it, guys? The fear and, and pain from rejection never stops. Doesn't matter how old we are, how many, how many seasons of life that we've lived through, what ladder of success we've climbed. Uh, none of us like to be rejects, re rejected. It really hurts. It really, really hurts when what, when what we want doesn't want us. When things we like and people we like don't like us. It's hard when certain actors you follow and you really like them, you like their movies, say things about Christians you like, ow, ooh, or an athlete that you've been supporting, a team you've been supporting, and all of a sudden they come along and they start saying some, some things. It's, it's tough when you apply. You apply to a school and you don't get in. Or you get in and you get canceled. You get kicked out. It's tough. You know, a door slammed in our faces can alter our journeys forever. Maybe this is why when Jesus got his guys together and sent them out, he warned them and prepared them for rejection. When he gives us power and authority and sends us out with a mission of peace and love and joy, believe it or not, that can put a target on our back. Now, I think it's interesting that by the time Jesus has gotten to this point before he, he sends them out with power and authority to go preach and heal and proclaim the kingdom, they've already seen Jesus heal and cast out demons and, and heal people. But Jesus doesn't teach them how to preach. He doesn't teach them how to raise an offering. He doesn't, he doesn't teach them how to handle church business. Uh, how to lead church meetings. He says, no, no, I want to prepare you because I'm going to send you out. The rough reality is I am sending you out into a mean world. The world is full of folk who want to destroy and devour us. And a lot of you out there, you don't, you don't need a Bible to point out to you 
that maybe the place you work or the street you live on, there are people who will use, who will use you, abuse you, and think nothing of it. In fact, in today's world, there are people who actually might, in the cause of their social justice, might be opposing you and trying to cancel you and simply view you as a necessary enemy casualty. And from another perspective, when you look sometimes people that call themselves Christians, some of the wolves in our lives can look like sheep. Jesus called these people wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like they have your back only to stab you in the back. They may go to the same church as you <laughs> and be in the same group as you. And sometimes, yeah, it doesn't take too long as you travel through this world to figure that out. Jesus says, so when this kind of stuff happens, he says, don't stay too long. Get up as you leave, brush the, brush the dust off and keep on trucking. The world is not fooled is not full completely of people with smiley faces and open doors. So the key to us as we move forward, and I wanna challenge you because the best days of faith are still ahead, the best days for you are still ahead. Jesus's word is basically to get over it and not let rejection and hurt and pain cripple you. Why is that? Because, listen, closed doors, rejection, and being canceled can so discourage us that we don't want to get up and try again. The Bible never promises us, Jesus never promised us that people would always love us, appreciate us, respect us, and, uh, and you know, he, he actually gave us strategic advice on how to handle hate, and rejection and betrayal. Look, let me throw out these ideas to you before I'm done here, done here this morning with you. Number one, and this is good advice for this year. Number one, connect cautiously. Let me repeat, connect cautiously. Be careful who you make your connections with. In Matthew's account, of the passage we read when Jesus sends him out. He says, when you find a worthy house, stay there. I'm out of time, so I can't teach him what that idea of worthy means, but that implies that some places are not worthy. Jesus on another occasion actually said, don't cast your pearls before swine. I never forget that because the Greek word for pearls is marguerite. That's right, my wife's name means pearl. So. God told me, man, don't you throw a margarita before those pigs out there. Can you recognize swine? Ooh, this, I mean, you, you, you gotta watch. Hey, can, can you recognize, you don't have to waste your time with people that just aren't gonna, well, I, I've, I've said enough on that. And why pearls? Sometimes you might recognize they're not the best people, but can you remember who you are and what you have, what you're worth, your own gifts, your own anointing, your own talent, your own value. Someone look at me right now. I'm gonna shout, though I can't shout it. I'll shout it on Sunday at church. This is not arrogance, it's awareness. Let me say that again. Being aware that there's a lot of interesting people out there, this isn't arrogance. It is awareness. When Marguerite and I, decades ago, first began to date, she actually called me Igor for a while. And the reason she called me Igor is because it sounded a lot like ego, and she thought I kind of had, at that time, a big ego. Well, she would tell you now, 
in looking back at it, it's not so much that I had a big, big ego. At that point, I was raised in a decent family. I had a good self-image. And she just, you know, I wasn't used to be being around people that had a good, had a good self-image. I know who I am. Listen, we're not called to be conceited, but we are called to be confident. I love watching all my grandkids play sports, and my youngest grandson, son Judah, uh, is a great athlete, and he cracks me up because he carries himself as someone who knows he's a great athlete. I, he's not arrogant, but he's right on the edge. <laughs> he has a lot of swag. He has a lot of confidence. And I like that about him because he's only, what, now he just turned 15. Life has a way of beating the snot out of you. So I don't, at this point, feel led to go, hey, Judah. You know, I like that he has that, that kind of swag. Connect cautiously. Don't throw your pearl before swine. When you're out there, you are under no obligation in the name of Jesus and in the name of love to just connect with any old buddy. Mm -mm. Number two, shake it off. That's the next thing Jesus said. He says, if you go to a place and they don't receive you, shake it off. Jesus said this way before Taylor Swift did. In fact, my daddy, uh, at my daddy's funeral, my brother Bob, when he gave a talk at my dad's funeral, which later became a book for my brother Bob, one of the major, it was called Dugout Talk, but one of the major points is my dad was big on shake it off. If you get hurt, shake it off. If it's a serious injury, we'll deal with it. But short of that, strike out three times in a game, shake it off. Don't let it cause you to, to lose your confidence. Listen, rejection brings a sense of offense in our lives. When we're rejected, we get offended. How could you not want me? <laughs> Some people, how could you not want this? <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, you know, what's your problem? You know, and then it really hurts if we feel we've been rejected and then they choose someone else. Why he with her? What, what was wrong with me? Why did she get the job? I mean, now we're not only offended, now we're bugged that someone else, and listen, I, I, there's books written about this. Listen, if you don't get over your offense and shake it off, it leaves a residue of bitterness and bitterness will eventually leave a stain of anger. I'm gonna say that again. If you don't get over your offense, it will leave a residue of bitterness and bitterness will always leave a stain of anger. I'm sure we've all run into people who are just so hurt, bitter, and angry that no matter what you're talking about, they bring the conversation to that within a few moments. You know, you're talking about the weather and then boom, all of a sudden they're talking about all the who did me wrong and all this going on. Uh, I mean, it, it's, yeah, see? And by the way, when Jesus says, shake it off as a testimony against them, what does that mean? If a town rejects you, shake it off as a testimony against them. Let me tell you what that means. That means they thought that would destroy you, but it didn't. You shook it off. They don't have the final say over you. God does. One of the greatest running backs in football history is the great Walter Payton of the Chicago Bears. He's still considered one of the greatest running backs ever. He had a nickname called Sweetness. It's funny because people thought he was called Sweetness because off the field he was really, really nice. On the field he was he was tough. But uh, he said, no, no. I said, in his college days, how he got the name Sweetness is because he had eluded a, tacker, a, a, a tackle from a guy on his own team. So as he passed him, he said, he said, sweetness 
is your weakness. <laughs> no, he was telling him, you're too nice of a guy uh, to tackle me. Walter Payton, whenever he would get hit, and back this is back before the NFL had all the safety rules they have today. Back in those days when guys got hit, they, they got hit. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Walter Payton, every single time, jumped back up and ran back to the huddle. Do you want to know why? Because he said, I don't ever want anyone to know that they hurt me. I don't, he said, if I have to fake it, I will fake it. They cannot hit me hard enough to keep me down. Come on, man, shake it off. Connect cautiously, number one. Number two, shake it off. Number three, I, I gotta wrap this up, look at me. Number three, wear it. This is a phrase that comes from sports, in baseball in particular, like if there's a batter up and they really need a runner and the pitcher throws inside, a lot of the parents will yell out, wear it, because the kid backs up, doesn't want to get hit. Wear it means get hit, we need a runner. That always cracks me up. Yes, yeah, easy for you as the parents to say, as the coaches to say, he's the hitter with this hard baseball coming at him at, at however many miles per hour, but that's what wear it means. So let me say it another way. Be ready to take a hit. Learn, look at me, learn to take the loss. Sports has helped me with this. Sometimes, you know, just take the loss and move on. Sometimes you got to get away from it to get over it. Shake it off and leave. When I was in seminary, I remember reading a report about Harvard Business School that had been criticized by all the businesses in America, they said, we're gonna stop hiring Harvard graduates, said, especially those with straight A's. Do you wanna know why? Because they had found out that straight A students from Harvard Business School often could not handle defeat in real life business. And nobody in real life gets straight A's. An offense hits my pride. Uh, the apostles, they had power and authority and they still got rejected. You know, did you ever feel like, man, pride has a, our pride has a tough time with the loss. Well, I met the criteria. I did what they said. In fact, I went beyond the call of duty and I still didn't get the job. You see, pride tells me, hey, Jim, I'm too gifted to not get what I want. Pride thinks if I want you, you should want me. My resume should get me in. Pride makes me say, if I knock, you ought to open the door. And see, pride will not let us move on because pride always has to figure out why. Why did they hate us? Why did I get rejected? And there may be times to do that, but ultimately we think like this, I'm not walking away until I find out why I didn't get that job, why he said no. And we get held hostage to needing an explanation. When Jesus sometimes looks at us, wear it, take the hit, take the loss and move on. Don't argue with them. There may be times to do this, but don't argue, file a grievance, beg and plead. Just pack up your stuff and get the heck out of there. Take the L, accept the loss and leave, move on. Listen to this, because sometimes to get over it, we gotta get away from it. And we won't get over it until we get away from it. If you stay in it, you'll never get over it. Hey, there's a post. <laughs> if you stay in it, you'll never get over it. Some of these new toilets now, man. I don't wanna be gross, but I'm, I'm gonna be crude on purpose for a moment. You go into a toilet and let's just, I'll leave it at this, number two. 
Some of the toilets now, a lot of them, there's no way to flush them because they have sensors. And as long as you stay there, it's not gonna flush. Get out of here, leave. Uh, the only way to get all that you-know-what flush down the toilet is to walk away. All I have to do sometimes in life to start the healing process from being falsely accused, betrayed, and rejected, I have to learn to walk away. And finally, and boy, I'm going over this quick right now, finally, I'd encourage us to take another look. Take another look. In other words, look for other possibilities. Rather than being stuck in a town that doesn't want you, Jesus said, get up, shake the dust off, as a testimony against them, don't let it destroy you and move on because Jesus said, I have towns, villages for you to go through. I'm trying to emphasize the S at the end. Towns, cities, villages. See, people who, and we all can do this. People, as we grow bitter and angry, we ask the wrong question. Why? Why don't they like me? Why don't they want me? When we sometimes should be asking, what's next? Not, why didn't I get it? Why didn't she say yes? But what's next for me? Look at me. The clo that closed door is not the only door. God always has another possibility. Theologians for years have talked about Genesis, the account of creation of Genesis, as God creating, they have a Latin phrase, ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. When we make things, we don't really create like that. We make a cake, even if we make a human being, even if science creates a human being in a test tube, they're working with material. God can make something out of absolutely nothing. And if God can do that, he can do it for you. I wanna to say to you again, don't get caught in the past, look for other possibilities. In fact, in, in closing, think about this. Could it not be that that rejection was the will of God for you? Could it be that God had something better? Could it be that even if God isn't in that thing and it was like the devil and it was darkness, it was the world, could it be that God can still work it together for your good? Maybe it was God's protection. Maybe it was good, but God knew it wasn't good enough. Maybe, maybe at times God uses, I like this one, maybe sometimes God uses rejection as a necessary redirection. I'm gonna say that again. Sometimes God will use rejection as a necessary redirection. Sometimes, I heard a preacher say one time, sometimes God will allow us to break our hearts so that he can blow our minds. <laughs> I like that. Sometimes God allows our dream to be crushed so he can open up our eyes to even a greater dream. Sometimes a very painful no right in our face and a slammed door right in our face can open the door to a far greater yes. Man, I'm feeling that you were born for such a time as this. Are these difficult, challenging, confusing days? Sometimes, <laughs> but these are also the best days to be alive. I kind of feel like, wasn't that Dickens novel, A Tale of Two Cities? It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Let's reverse that. Man, it's the worst of times. Yes, but it's also the best of times. You were born for such a time as this.